0: You are listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will were, a music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, we have Supernature by Goldfrap. I've been really excited about this episode. You have? You've been uh, like a, a child, a toddler? Like, it was
1: like Christmas Eve uh, in the run-up to today, uh, because I love Goldfrap, and this is my favourite Goldfrap album.
0: I'm actually quite surprised it took us, you know, n- nearly 60 episodes to get to talking about Goldfrapp. Uh, but
1: the day is here today and Goldfrap are uh, a duo. It's the lovely uh, Alison Goldfrapp mm. and Will Gregory. The elusive
0: Will Gregory, would that be fair
1: to say? I think, you know, Alison's definitely... She's the front woman. Yeah. She's, you know, the face that everybody recognises from Goldfrap. But there are always two of them on that... At least two of them on that stage. Mm. Uh, and Will Gregory is, is as big a part of the band um, as she is. So they came together in uh, 1999. So we've had 20 years of Goldfrap this year. Um, and this is their third album, Supernature. Previously, we had Felt Mountain Black Cherry... Um, And latterly, we had um, The Seventh Tree, Head First, Tales of Us. And not that long ago, in March 2017,
0: we had the wonderful, I thought, Silver Eye. Silver Eye was fantastic. I really like how their albums seem to go. They do one really upbeat, electro uh, album, and then they kind of do a softer, like Seventh Tree and Tales of Us. Uh, They really do seem to alternate it.
1: And... I think the thing I love about Goldfrapp is just the richness, uh, the detail in their tracks. Yes, they're largely electronical, synthesised tracks, but there's so much in there. Heavily inspired, you know, and I think they've been inspiration for other artists as well. And, you know, if you've never seen them perform live, then you've only seen half the story or only heard half the story, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As you say, so much detail in the tracks. The lyrics are often very poetic. The whole aesthetic of the album covers and the live performances and the videos, um, they really are, are artists, artists, I think. And what was your introduction to Golf Rap? I remember a long time ago
1: uh, on a music channel seeing a music video and it might've been for Train. Mm. Um, which was a... I just I I can't remember. I haven't seen it for ages. Was it like a mine car or a train track ride or something? Um, but I've, I fell in love with the visuals and the sound of it as well and that kind of relentless electronic beat and synth running through it as well. Mm. Uh, and I think some of the best Goldfrapp tracks stay very faithful to that formula. Yes. But are unique
0: in their own right. For me, it was... The first time I saw Duran Duran, one of my favourite bands ever, back when they first got back together. What? Come on, what sass was you going to throw then? No, just... you said it again. <laughs> well, what, the golf rap was supporting them on their... Duran Duran were doing a huge uh, tour when the original five got back together. They played something like Six Nights at Wembley and the support acts were... Half of it was golf and half of it was Scissor Sisters. Um, so I got Goldfrapp at... think Birmingham NEC and and honestly I've never heard of them before so to see I really like the sound of the music and these real raw electronic sounds but the one thing I do remember is that Alison was using um, and for the life of me I've forgotten what it's called now Therma it's the uh, synthesizer where it's kind of it makes noise based on it's like an aerial and the more the closer you are to it the more noise it makes if this was a more professional podcast, I would have the name of that. But answers on the postcard, please. But so people normally play it with their hands, but Alison was uh, rubbing it between her legs.
1: And it'd be funny if somebody uh, was listening to the podcast. theramin 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 <laughs> uh, It'd be funny if someone was listening to the podcast and they kind of spooled ahead and they just got to that bit and all they heard was you say rubbing between her legs <laughs> and a completely out of context. Text sounds absolutely. Uh, disgusting so i think we're gonna have a lot of fun today we're certainly gonna have a giggle talking about goldfrap i think and there'll be some serious bits as well no doubt oh of course yeah because there's some very polished um music craft at work here so the album itself Supernature, was released in 2005 so dan what's the what on earth are you pulling out of your hat this week well i don't know what you mean uh, what's the connection? Why are we talking about Goldfrap this week? Because there's a reason why
0: it's taken us so long. Yes, there is. So, the album was released 14 years ago this very week, on the 17th, actually.
1: Oh, not bad. It's
0: quite a... Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Not we'll bad. take that. Uh, so, 14 years old. Um
1: was very positively received at the time. We'll talk more about that later. But this was probably the first really poppy album that Goldfrap mm. released. And it was more of a pop electronic fusion. Yes. And we've got uh, some brilliant singles off this album uh, to talk about that were part of that campaign. Um, And one of which is probably one of my favourite
0: songs of the last 20 years. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. You know which one it is. And now you said that, I think it is. Sorry, I think I do know, but... I wouldn't, your favourite. Well, you said that about getting away with it a couple of weeks ago. By no, Electronic. no, no.
1: That was definitely one of my
0: favourite songs of all time. Oh, this is of the last 20 yeah. years. Is that alright? No. Is that no. allowed? <laughs> Are you hot again? Are you hot and bothered? No, no. Going through the manopause.
1: Anyway, uh, let's get stuck in to side one, track one. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. <laughs>
0: Wasn't that a party in three minutes? It was. Um, I really want a lot. ooh la la. know Uh, about you?
1: That, yes, definitely yes. When that song came out, it was, for me, it was huge. I was obsessed with it. And just the opening bars of that song, when I used to hear that, and this is when I used to go out a lot more to to bars and pubs and clubs a lot more. And when the first bars of that song struck up, there was just that wave of excitement because mm. it was like your song was being played and everyone loved it. Happier times.
0: Happier times. <laughs> it, it, I know what you mean. And the um, sort of quite Larry dance movie was doing well. That song was playing in reference to that. It's almost like this is the electronic version of Chelsea Dagger or something like that where you just kind of lose yourself a little bit when it comes on.
1: You know, that's a good way to describe it. Losing yourself when this comes on. It was, uh, it was designed to be that way. They wanted a big, bold, sexy number as for the lead single off this album, something that's going to hook and grab your attention. And it certainly did that. I think they made no bones about the fact at the time that they wanted to have this big pop electronic record. Yeah. Um, there's a sample in there. Mm. Do you know what it is? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, of course
0: you do. Because we've done our research. We've done our research. Uh, I think it was Gareth Gates and the Kumars, wasn't it? <laughs> Close, uh, but no cigar. Uh, the original Spirit in the Sky, is
1: that right? The original Spirit in the Sky. Uh, so uh, g- g- glam
0: rock, um, I think, is something which is very much here. Throughout this album, really. Mm. And T-Rex, you can hear a lot of T-Rex and Mark Bowden in there. And again, I think we're going to be hearing that throughout the album. But it doesn't... Obviously, T-Rex were doing it from a a rock angle. Here, we're getting a very, very similar vibe, but in an electronic angle.
1: And dare I say, um, because I've read something on these lines as well, but I do also agree, it sounds a little bit like um, a Rachel Stevens song. It's a bit like Some Girls, but I'd also thought about... um, I Said Never Again, but Here We Are. Oh,
0: no, not that one. Some Girls, maybe. Mm.
1: Not... But just the whole kind of glam, the poppier, electronic side of glam rock. Mm. Um, And I don't know how Alison and Will would feel about being compared to Rachel Stevens. I
0: certainly wouldn't be comfortable with it. Um, I don't think anyone's ever going to compare you to Rachel Stevens. (laughs) (laughs) No (laughs) offence This track, what's great about it as well, is it builds and builds throughout. So the, you know, I think with um, electronic instruments and synthesizers and keyboards, it can be perceived by the naysayers that it's very much a two-dimensional instrument, but this track really builds and builds and there's so many different effects and sounds going on by there. A bit like the sounds going on outside here at the minute with those sirens, actually. It's the pop police coming to arrest me for comparing Rachel Stevens to Goldfrapp. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And Will and Alison are in in that car. They are livid and they're going to press charges. Mm. This was and still remains a Goldfrapp's biggest chart success as well. Do you know what number it got to?
0: Number one?
1: Number four. Oh.
0: Didn't number one get to number one? No. Oh. Got to number nine. It must just be subliminal messaging then, because I could have sworn that number one was a number one. So let's move on to number two, and this is Lovely To See You.
1: So, lovely to see you. It uh, wasn't a single. Um, I love... It continues the great work set up from Ooh La La for me. It's... That gu- electric guitar
0: in there is relentless. Mm. I do think this is... And I mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast. I absolutely love it on an album where track one is the single. So, it's a great opening point to the album. You're very familiar with it. But it's great to hear that as the beginning of this new collection. And then I love it when track two is a non-single, but just really packs a punch. And I think this is a fantastic example of that. Uh, it's nicely sandwiched as well in between two singles. We'll get on to the next one very soon. But yeah, it's definitely in the same vein as Ooh La La. I really love how there's kind of a bit of, uh, there's a bit of futurism to the sound, but it is definitely like vintage synthesizers that are creating the sound for this track. So should we move on to track number three? Track number three now, uh, and this is Ryder Whitehorse. <laughs> So Will, I think that is the song that's one of your favourite of the last 20 years, am I right? Correct.
1: Yeah. I love it. I think it's just such a layered, orally intricate electronic dance song. So much going on in there, and it's also got a very generous lengthy outro as well lovely lengthy outro uh it not just a fade out i just love the sound of it um and for me it's my favorite gold that track still one of my favorite songs of the last 20 years and before you jump in and say what about this what about that i'm not saying it's my favorite i'm saying it's probably in my top 20 favorite songs of the last
0: 20 oh, years oh blooming hell top 20 that's narrated that's well, it's still as pre- a big... Not as prestigious.
1: Well, well, it's still, for me, the amount of music that I like, still yeah. a big deal. Okay. Um, what do you think of it? That's yeah, all right.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that song. I think it is... Likewise, I'd hate to jump the gun, but I think it's my favourite song from this album. It certainly is one of my favourite golf rap songs of all time. I know it was inspired by uh, Studio 54, the famous New York nightclub, and I think you can definitely hear that. It sounds like... It sounds like... A uh, mirror ball exploding in slow motion.
1: Oh, that's a lovely. Well done. Thank you. Actually, for, I think yeah. you've, you're, you're ahead this week so far in musical analogies. Well, um,
0: I've set the bar. Mm. Um, I think it's very reminiscent. I will need to ride a white horse to jump over it. Uh, that's terrible. You've lowered the tone of the podcast. Sorry. Sorry. Terrible. Um, you can hear things like Blondie's Heart of Glass, I think, in there. You can hear lots of Giorgio Moroder and his uh, very infamous side of production i think is that it's you know just a fantastic piece of electronic synth pop moving on now track
1: number four you never know
0: That is You Never Know. For me, this is the one that sounds most like the debut album. The sounds in this aren't quite as disco-orientated. It's
1: got a much lighter touch, but for me, the the enjoyment is in the details and just the rich sound. The production on this whole album is stunning. Yeah. These are two perfectionists, aren't they? Mm, Oh, yeah. And you definitely get that from Alison as a performer, but and all the work they do... I I get the feeling in the whole art direction, the visual elements, that I think they're heavily involved in that as well. I think the two things are very important to them hand in hand. Um, And so everything feels very highly polished. Yeah. To listen to it is just such a pleasure.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's the textures of this song. And I don't know if that's a phrase I've used before on the entirety of track by track, but the textures of this song you really feel like you can feel them. And adding to that, I think Alison's vocal here and on songs throughout their discography, you can't always tell what Alison's singing, but I think that really adds to the mystery and also I think it adds to her voice as an instrument within the mix. Well she's got a stunning falsetto. Hmm. A stunning falsetto and also she can really kind of go for those low notes. We it's we are gushing left, right, and centre on this episode. Will I know we'll we'll have a break in a minute and we'll get cooking with a mop <laughs> or maybe something with ta- industrial suction. Oh goodness me! In the meantime, track five and uh, let it take you. Just let
2: it take you.
1: let it take you and did you? I did and Dan you might think I would choose this moment to talk about the album artwork I would yeah but I still I'm as you know I'm not a fan of a slow particularly slow song but I still think that it's lovely yeah I'm getting hints of Moby with this one and I am getting hints of a one of those heart machines in the hospitals <laughs> what are they called?
0: Um, heart monitor yeah yeah it's very, yeah, it's quite clinical almost. And as with Moby's work, particularly on the um, play album that we talked about a few weeks ago, pretty months ago now, it's kind of very much a soundscape, I think. It's a, a track to be absorbed, potentially, rather than just listen to. One thing that I did pick up on it is that on the outro, it just focuses on the beat. Perhaps that's the heartbeat to go mm. with the heart monitor. And it was only just then I realised that there's so much synth work on this album uh, you know, Cynthia sounds throughout this album, and not she really. She wishes she was Alison Goldfrapp. Yeah, she's uh, sadly more like Alison Steadman. <laughs> Poor Alison Steadman. Sorry about that. Um, it's the first time I've really noticed a drum beat because there's so much synth creating, you know, a, a world of sound. I'm not really picked up on the beat before too much. There's a great beat there.
1: I think. Yeah, you're right. There's just so much else going on. You forget about the beat sometimes. Okay, so track number six now, Fly Me Away. I always, it was the follow-up, follow-on single from Ride a White Horse. And I think it's a perfect follow-up because it almost, it has a similar feel. So the kind of the, the evolution
0: continues into the next single. Almost a, a, a juxtaposition of sounds, though, between the two. Uh, it's definitely got you mean about the similar, but Ride a White Horse is very disco, upbeat. And I think uh, Fly Me Away is maybe um, the after party, just kind of leading away from The Big Night Out yeah you're just at home chilling out with Mm. friends With face mask on yeah why not Mm. uh fly me away on a rocket maybe or perhaps I'm thinking too far ahead you're getting ahead of yourself there but I would would like to say you know completely uh being transparent definitely looking forward to doing that album with rocket uh etc. on because that is a fantastic Goldfrap album. But so is this. One thing at a time. Yes.
1: So the, in uh, America the EP for this featured a cover of Boys Who Will Be Boys
0: by... The Ordinary Boys. Yes. Yeah. Odd Choice. Very Odd Choice. I wonder if that was for some sort of live lounge thing or something like that. Of course it's not the first time we've mentioned them because way, way, way back on one of our Cher episodes we talked about how Preston had written Dress to Kill for Cher. Um, well she no sorry no, she, he released it himself yes and she covered it and do you know what that is the kind of sound that you could imagine Goldfrap covering not really Boys Will Be Boys this single uh, got to number 26 in the singles
1: chart But this was the fourth single wasn't it so yeah. you know diminishing returns once the album's been released as you said previously yeah it's a great track it's band- solid yeah we haven't had a clanger yet And I don't think we're likely to as we head into the next track.
0: So track number seven, Sliding. Slide in there, and I have to say that took me right back to sliding down the Helter Skelter at Glastonbury this year, in the wonderful Avalon field.
1: Do you know, I didn't have the pleasure. No?
0: But we were both at Avalon for Bananarama, of course, on Sunday evening. And any opportunity to bring that up again. (laughs) Hello girls. (laughs) Girls, we know you're listening. Uh, Of course, i be remiss of me to talk about Glastonbury and Goldfrapp in the same episode without talking about their fantastic set 2 years ago oh
1: my god they we were with non goldfrap flans <laughs> more of a quiche <laughs> runny quiche <laughs> than a wet flan uh, and it's it's fair to say
0: i think the people we were with were converted by the end of it yes because they went in as non goldfrap fans into the John Peel tent they came out as officially, no, as fully-fledged fan flan. But it's so difficult to say. They
1: went in as wet flans. They came out as uh, fully-cooked quiches.
0: <laughs> you know, the set was played with a few problems, wasn't it, before they were late on stage. It was almost like Jamelia at Mighty Hoopla.
1: No, no, I'm not having that. You cannot, you cannot talk about that and that incident and Goldfrapp's incredible performance in the same
0: breath. No, you can't. You're right there. Let's get back to sliding. Will, what are your thoughts on that song?
1: It is my second favourite song on the album. I love uh, how it builds and builds and builds. And that just, that synth that keeps coming back in and that almost slide, relentless slide in of that synth is great.
0: Yeah. And it's very much um, an onomatopoeia of when, when Alison is singing Slide, it does slide into the song. Likewise, I think this is fantastic. It's got so many elements to it. It, this feels like one of the more experimental songs, particularly when it begins. The whole rhythm, the whole, all the sounds that are being used, all the beats, they feel much more industrial. There's kind of um, a medieval. No, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> I'm not doing the Crystal Maze thing. Something Have like you it. ever watched an episode? Um, I saw a bit the other day, a celebrity one with
1: um, uh, Steve Pemberton. Uh, we were just talking, actually, before we came on air about Inside Number 9 and how much we love it. Yes.
0: Crowbar that in. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Will and Allison are fans. Who? Will and Allison from Golf Rap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this new
1: Crystal Maze, it's not a patch on the original series. Am I right thinking the original was before
0: Richard O'Brien, or was he there? He was the author? man. Okay. He was the guy. Anyway. Back to Golf Rap. Um, it's industrial don't say a word but with that comes this sort of fuzz that runs throughout it and it's the kind of song that i can imagine being not particularly pleasant for everyone you know we love it because it is kind of part of this tapestry that they're creating this digital tapestry but for some people that just might not be a pleasant sound some people who are much more of a fan of an acoustic guitar digital tapestry i like it that's a great name a Pet Shop Boys <laughs> single. Because every time we say something good, you always think it's a good name for a Pet Shop Boys thing. Oh, imagine a Pet Shop Boys and Golf Rock collaboration.
1: Well, new album in January, who knows what they've got up their sleeves. I'm sure there'll be a few surprises. Hmm. But what a great track, it just keeps
0: on giving this album. So, track number eight now Coco. Coco there, named after the fantastic venue in Camden.
1: It is a fantastic venue. What was the last gig you
0: saw there? I think the last one was Declan McKenna, and I was so scarred from that gig that I haven't been back since. Yes, because you felt really old. Yes, I was just thinking, but he came on, uh, I asked my home pod to play something I'd like and he played Declan McKenna, and it was the first time I'd heard him for a while because there were various things that happened that night that made me feel ancient. First of all, because I stood outside with a friend and some young girls came over and said, "Uh, what are you doing here? As in, you know, the girls must have been about 16 because they clearly felt that we were too old to be there. And then it wasn't until we got outside after the gig, which was a great gig, and I think Declan McKenna is very good at what he does, that I realised that we were stood with um, a couple of dads waiting to collect their daughters from the gig. Uh, And I realised that the fact that I hadn't realised who it was... The kind of people that we'd aligned with at that audience were the dads. Oh, I felt ancient. Well, you were obviously there in a professional capacity. Yes, reviewing it. Yeah. And give gave it a wonderful
1: review as well. This track, Coco. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant.
0: <laughs> what more can we say? I think this one feels <laughs> a little bit more, particularly from the beginning, it feels a little bit less, less electronic, There seems to be more some uh, electric guitar going on there. The electrics are still there, don't get me wrong. But if you think about the really shiny, polished rider white horse or something like that, it's not that kind of sound. There were some comparisons made to Gary Newman actually with this. That's yeah, I like that, and I think right up Wall Street. Yeah, big fan of Gary. Well, I say big fan, a fan. But yeah, his stuff is of course very electronic. Our friends electric. It's only since you've said that I've realised I've kind of made the comparison there. But it is, again, quite an industrial sound. Yeah. He, I, yeah, I'm a fan of his, but I would never kind of have, I don't think I'd have bought a ticket to see him live, but he played Bestival a few years ago and saw him because he was on before Hot Chip. They, Bestival used to always do the most amazing Thursday night, the, the second biggest stage, which was actually in a tent, did amazing Thursday night, Shows and they had Gary Newman followed by Hot Chip one year, and it was amazing out of this world.
1: Oh, I can imagine. Mm. What a treat.
0: In its heyday, Bestival really was for me on a par with Glastonbury. But now it doesn't exist. Oh, sadly. (laughs) Track nine. Sore subject. Mm. Let's move on.
1: Um, So we're on to the next track. Um, This is track number nine now. This is Satin Chic. Satin chic, there, Dan. You're a fan of satin, aren't you?
0: (laughs) No, you misheard me. I said I'm a fan of chic. Oh, yeah. This is silk, anyway.
1: Oh, I wonder this, (laughs) like an like an evening gown. My my negligee. Yes. Yes. So that's satin chic. This was released in the UK um, alongside the actually aforementioned "Boys Will Be Boys." By the Ordinary Boys And I think Dan If the editing fairies Have done a good job We may well hear A little bit of that Roundabout now
0: Well I think you're The editing fairy On this
1: episode but Aren't you? you
2: say Boys with-
1: Not for you. Well, it's an interesting interpretation, is it? It's very burlesque. Yes. I think we should move on from it. I don't think it's gone down at all well with you, actually. You've thrown me off
0: there. You've thrown me off. But what I will say, in fact, if we can get, get back to uh, "Satin Chic." Oh, it was performed on the Live Lounge in 2006. As well. Oh, okay. Well, that gives it a bit more respectability. You're still not happy, though, are you? Mm, no.
1: Let's
0: it's, talk about "Satin Chic" anyway, let's which talk is about it. Um, what a fun song it is. Absolutely a fun song. I think it's the best point of this album to use, to coin that catchphrase of yours. I love how it starts very minimalistically and it just kind of different elements are added as it goes on. We've had Ooh La La earlier and we've got lots of Na Na's in this one. And again, it's just very, very glam rock. It's very T-Rex. Your thoughts? I really enjoy it. Yeah.
1: Uh, I like it. It's a, a slightly different sound. It's a bit more, although there'd be some glam rock influences sprinkled through this album this is more um overtly so mm. um uh, and it, it's a great sound and it should be applauded well shall we <laughs> let's,
0: let's give it a round of applause so track number 10 now and i think sometimes we all need to oh god yes this. absolutely time out from the world
1: So Dan, did you enjoy a brief pause and some time out from the world?
0: I really did it. It felt like we were away for about half an hour there. It really <laughs> the track really does move you away, doesn't it? Yes, it is a
1: great time to talk about the fantastic artwork, <gasps> and I mean that with love, actually, because uh every song on this album is great. Um and we've had this in previous weeks, but there's no good time to talk about the album artwork, but obviously we still need to talk about it. Mm. So with this one
0: is what's going on here then? Well, do you know what? I don't think I've ever quite understood if that's Alison's hand or someone else's hand that is covering her breast.
1: Yes. So she's Alison is there. She's not got a top on to speak of. Um, there's a breast being uh, obscured, uh, and there's a very starry background there as uh, well. But a, a starry background, but a curtain. Mm. Alison's looking at the camera as well, very suspiciously, I must say. Mm. Eyes askew. And you've got Goldfrap, top left, Supernature, bottom right. Love the
0: style of the word Supernature, bottom right. Yes, absolutely. Goldfrap is in the logo that has been used throughout their career. And Supernature, yeah, really, if I was some sort of designer, I could probably give a bit more context, but um, lovely font, nonetheless.
1: It's lovely font. Uh, And just to talk about uh, how this album was received, um, because I think the last track will have not... Much to talk about, about the track itself. So Supernature has sold over one million copies worldwide. Well done. It debuted at number two on the UK album chart. Dan, do you know the song that held, cruelly held Goldfrapp off the top spot of the UK album chart? Or the album? The album. album. Um, No. It was,
0: you won't believe this, it was by James Blunt. Back to Bedlam? Yeah. Wow, I mean that... In Goldfraud's defence, that album was just absolutely huge, wasn't it? And that was the mums and dads and grandmas getting that as well as... I think I got that one as well, so... Oh, shame on you. Sorry to Alison and Will there, I didn't realise what I was doing at the time.
1: You thought you were a bit edgy last week. Oh, with
0: Mel C, yeah. At one point in 99. Yes, it was a good six days where I felt... I spiked my hair and and, um, had Angle tattooed across my chest. So
1: certainly not at this point in two thousand and five, that's for sure. Definitely wasn't edgy then. Yeah. No. So on to the
0: last track of the album. Dan, what a way to go. Mm, absolutely. And Will, to quote S Club Seven, you're my number one. Oh. What a fantastic way to finish the album with one of the big singles from the album. I love it when people do that and they don't just kind of, you know, to coin a phrase once again. To, in fact, to coin a phrase is a phrase that I've been coining recently. Yes. Uh, but to coin a phrase, they don't want to say it peter out. We're not petering out there with number one.
1: Uh, what a great song number one is. Number one was also the second the follow-up single, so it was the much-anticipated Follow up, and I like the fact that it
0: wasn't just more of the same. Exactly, yeah. And almost, I think the singles we've talked before about how the albums jumped from upbeat electronic pop to more subdued. And even the singles from this album, you had Ooh La La, and followed by number one, followed by Ride a White Horse, followed by was it Fly Me Away, single four? Mm. Um, they all sort of uh, went from high energy to a little bit of a more somber flavour. Really like the song, love the textures, love the synths, everything we've said before, and particularly love the video. Uh, Dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Say what you see. Uh, If you see it, say it. Uh,
1: It was uh, another hit for the group. It got to number nine uh, in the UK singles chart. Uh, And it was uh, all about how how special that special
0: person is Mm. for you. Yeah, a love song from them, which you don't often get an obvious love song from golf rap, but there it was. And what a lovely way to end the album. I
1: think it's, I've, I love every song on this album. It's been, it was so hard to find a point to talk about the album artwork this week. And the fact that the last track on the album is one of the best tracks on the album says a lot about it. Yeah, we haven't seen our friend Peter out for a long time, actually. No, he's uh, he's away, actually he's joined the army. He's away on
0: manoeuvres. <laughs> Orchestral maneuvers in the dark. <laughs> Terrible. I've got a feeling we might be seeing him next week. Oh, we're definitely going to see him next week. <laughs> so, uh, so that's
1: the end of Supernature proper. For further listening today, Dan, what are the parameters?
0: So I think there's many a Goldfrapp album that we're going to be talking about in future if people are still listening to the podcast, which thank you to. Those loyal listeners. The ones that potentially we won't touch on are the two that came before Supernature. So Black Cherry and Felt Mountain. So we thought let's take a track from one of those to share. Because this album, Supernature, was probably a lot of people's entry point to Gold Trap. It was their most mainstream. It was their most commercially successful. So there might still be a few tracks that people haven't heard. So Will, I'd love to invite you to go first. So let's tuck in to
1: uh, Black Cherry Um, and for me there was no other option. I had, uh, it's obvious and I'm sorry, no I'm not even sorry because it's so good, Strict Machine. Uh, for me, one of the first experiences of Goldfrapp, and it's just such a assault on the on the ears yeah, in a very good way. Just the layers and layers of synth, synths on there, it's absolutely stunning.
0: Yeah, certainly of everything on the album uh, Black Cherry, it feels like the precursor to a lot of those bigger, dancier numbers on Supernature. Uh, yeah, and this as well from uh, Glastonbury a couple of years ago, for me, is a real highlight of their live set.
1: And they really go to town with this one when they perform it live. Yeah. It's like this 10-minute odyssey.
0: I mean, it is like the equivalent of when you see, uh, you know, a rock band, and then the kind of the guitarist and the bass player and the singer, they all get together and jab in the middle and they extend the outro. And I imagine there are people who don't understand how that can happen with synth bands. They don't see them as real instruments. Obviously, we stick a middle finger to those. And uh, yeah, when when it happens at something like a Goldfrapp gig, it, gen- it washes over you. That noise just kind of mm. en- encapsulates you. Uh,
1: number 20 in the UK Singles Chart, this is their second song to chart. And today, to say this song has been everywhere um, is an understatement in terms of how it's been sampled and used uh, in other media. Um, and, you know, Goldfrapp is still maintain, stay very close to this sound, um, obviously doing some amazing things now,
0: but this for me is where Goldfrapper is very much rooted. Lovely. Uh, something I'd love to point out about this one is it is um, one of the few songs where Alison and Will work with someone else, they work with Nick Bat, and interestingly he also worked with them on Ride a White Horse. Yes. So it feels like he is that sort of cherry on the cake of their, of their cake. <laughs> uh, for the black cherry cake. Um, and he just tends to add a little bit of extra sparkle and magic to what they do. Also, my better half, uh, Ashley, who appeared on the ABBA episode many moons ago, where he was with us for Goldfrap at Glastonbury. He was one of the aforementioned converts. absolutely and he'd heard this song before and he always thought it was a Kylie song, an obscure Kylie song. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, so (laughs) now, over to you. Thank you very much. So I'm going to go for something from the first album, Felt Mountain, which was released in 2000, and you'll hear it, it's quite a different sound, but I just wanted to kind of touch upon that. So this is the opening track to album one, side one track one, this is Lovely Head. I'm
1: joking, of course. Um, This was very early Goldfrap. Well, it was the (coughs) earliest Goldfrap. The turn of the millennium. 2000. And, Dan, how appropriate your selection is called Lovely Head because
0: you're a lovely head of hair. Thank you very much. It doesn't need a cut, actually. This song, I think, I just really wanted to showcase for anyone listening to this episode that is just aware of the band's bigger bangers. This is a. Lovely example of some of their more somber moments, and we heard a few of them on Supernature. This even more so. I think it sounds very much like a. There's elements of it that I think could be from a Tarantino film. I think that kind of whistle that goes through it. Interestingly, it has been used on many a film, including uh, Swept Away, Swept Away, uh, the Guy Ritchie film. It was an Australian picture. <laughs> and um, 99 francs or 99 francs, as you probably say. Oh, very good. Thank you.
1: Uh, I think this is that whistling sound it's very haunting this is still part of when they perform live they still you know go all the way back to their roots um, and perform this song in various ways yeah uh, but you're, you're bang on there it's great to sh- to kind of showcase you know the roots the different pace and sounds that they've had
0: and interestingly this is one of the songs from the first album that Nick Bat worked on again so more appreciation for Nick uh,
1: we're out of time out of time what a wonderful album to talk about.
0: And I'm sure that is going to be only the first of many forays into Goldfrapp's back catalogue.
1: Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to who's coming up next week?
0: It's something very different, actually, next week. Uh, we hinted at it last week when we talked about our first ever Solo Spice album. It's another Solo Spice album.
1: And don't say anything more.
0: No, I won't. I won't. But it's not Mel C. It's not Mel C again, no.
1: So... Um, if it's not Melcy, I don't think it's going to be Victoria Beckham. Does certainly narrow it down to three lovely ladies.
0: Yes, the members of Gem, actually.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. Hmm. So that's it for, for this time. Uh, if you're a Goldfrap fan, or if you weren't and you now are, do let us know. It'd be great to hear from you. At Move to Trash UK.
0: Hashtag track, by track. And also, if you've enjoyed the episode, Please do feel free, especially if this is your first one, to head back and tuck into some of the fifty plus other episodes that are available on Apple Podcasts and various other mediums. And if you enjoy them, please do give us a rating or a uh, what's the other thing? A comment. comment on Apple Podcasts. Uh,
1: so thank you for listening. Until next time, I've been Alison
0: Goldfrap and I've been Will Gregory. Goodbye. Goodbye.